Greetings, church and friends of the church. It is January 22nd, 2021, more than 10 months now into the season of the wilderness, uh, with the wilderness being our metaphorical image of this place that we're in, where we've been thrust out from and disconnected from what we used to know as normal, and we are wandering together toward some new normal place that, that has not yet been realized. Um, we are still stuck in the in-between and on our way. So in this series, we've been seeking to use this time in the wilderness constructively and creatively, um, understanding that we are not monopolized by doing the normal thing. And that disconnection from the normal can create space within us to reflect on how we might adapt so that our future normal together someday will be better and will be more just and will be more peaceful than the normal that we used to know, because we can't go back. Yeah, back there wasn't good enough for everyone, so we have to keep moving forward. So we've sought to better understand in this series the, the physical tendencies that evolved within us all to fight, to assume negatively about others, to tribalize with those who look and think like us. And we've tried to better understand how these tendencies take shape in our everyday living and how they compel us to act um, and to speak to one another. We've also tried to consider how these tendencies um, take shape collectively. When you throw us all together in the midst of this human culture and they start to look like these things that we call isms that are counterproductive and actually destroy the sense of belonging and safety and peace that we crave um, for ourselves in community. We've also named the need for a spirituality that counteracts these physical forces. And, and we've been careful not to conflate spirituality with religiosity because they can overlap, but they don't have to always be the same. Um, by spirituality, we're seeking to understand how to listen to a different voice within us, speaking about who we are and how we are to be in relationship with others, a different voice than those voices that are counterproductive, destructive, physical tendencies are telling us. So we've considered um, these different spiritual practices that, that we can all um, seek to make part of our um, rhythms in life, uh, whether they are um, part of a religious um, commitment or construct or not. Uh, we've considered the practice of prayer, um, meditation, mindfulness, gratitude, seeking honesty, not only in what we say, but also in evaluating what we hear and in what we trust. And in the previous episode, uh, we began to consider the spiritual practice of seeking to live intentionally within the cycle of accountability. So accountability is not just one thing. In, in my understanding, it's this cycle um, in which we seek to live. Um, and it's not just about, it's not about judgment and shame, but it's about learning and growth 
as we humbly and honestly seek to be our best selves as individuals and our best selves as systems of people who are together in these various layers of community, in families, in workplaces, in towns, in nations, and in, in this world together. Maybe we know how we too easily seek to escape from, reject, or defy accountability because of, out from this very physical animalistic place within us, we fear that being held accountable and being an accountable person is a threat. And so our response to the idea of accountability may be to fight against it rather than to understand that it is a good thing that helps us to be better and to be better together. So in uh, the last episode, we considered the first half of living this cycle. Um, one, setting just and fitting expectations for the groups of people, the systems that we are in, these layers of our community, and just and fitting expectations for every individual who is a part of that group so that we get to where we want to get together. Second, honest accounting of whether or not the individuals and or the systems are meeting the expectations that we set. And third, experiencing both natural and also imposed consequences of not meeting systemic or individual expectations and how critical consequences are. So those are the first three steps. And then in this episode, we're considering the rest of the cycle, the next three steps. So after or while we are experiencing either imposed or natural consequences, the next step of this cycle of accountability is the acceptance of responsibility whether part of a family or a workplace or, or just the larger community, each person must come to understand that she or he is responsible for their own actions and behaviors, is responsible for abiding by the expectations and following the rules and the policies and the laws, and is responsible for how they act or respond in any situation, including and especially when it's a stressful or frustrating situation when our body's mechanisms and tendencies are telling us to fight, to assume negatively about others and who they are and what they're saying, and to seek the support of a tribe that will accept, condone, or celebrate my breaking of expectations rather than hold me accountable. If we are to be a people of freedom, um, and honor the natural right of all persons to think and to choose for themselves, then there must always be that counterbalancing force of responsibility. Because if there's not, then we quickly descend into the anarchy of everyone for themselves. As George Bernard Shaw wrote, liberty means responsibility. And that is why most men dread it. And as a family favorite of ours, Eleanor Roosevelt wrote, freedom makes a huge requirement of every human being. With freedom comes responsibility. For the person unwilling to grow up, who does not uh, wish to carry his own weight, this is a frightening prospect. Freedom and responsibility are a bonded pair. We cannot accept one while rejecting or evading the other. 
if we truly want to live in a world in which all people, and not just the privileged or oppressive some, all people know what it is to live with freedom, then we must also all accept responsibility. There are a number of temptations that we face um, that stand in the way of accepting responsibility. Um, one is, whether it's in not yet emotionally mature children, like I have in my home, or you know, unwilling adults, um, which, you know, in all honesty, I think we all have to confess that we are sometimes. Um, the first temptation is to blame. To blame others for their failure to abide by expectations, policies, or laws. This is the, the kid who says, hypothetically, not that this happens every day in my house. Well, I hit her because she called me a butthead. She should be in trouble, not me. And then must be told, no, just because she called you a name does not mean that you are allowed to break our family rule of no hitting. This is the parent who won't accept that they are a major contributor to their children's unhealthy behavior and just places all that responsibility on, on the child themselves. This is the boss who refuses to accept that his toxic attitude is directly contributing to his employee's performance. And instead of accepting any responsibility, just blames his employees. This is the, the leader, whether it's local or state or national, who won't accept that his words and actions have a huge impact on shaping the words and actions of his followers. And, and in, in refusing to take any responsibility, simply blames them for their failings. Blame, it comes easily because it's an expression of these tendencies that have evolved within all of us. To assume negatively, to, to fight against those who push back, um, to find the tribe of those persons who will agree with us and condone our actions rather than pushing back. Another temptation that stands in the way of accepting responsibility is deflecting. So when faced with that honest assessment of our own failure to meet expectations, when faced with the prospect of consequences, these tendencies within us will often tempt us to deflect. And that means that instead of accepting responsibility for our mistakes or oversights, we try and, and, and force the attention, deflect the attention um, uh, of those you know, with us in our families, in our companies, in our, in our nation, to, to focus on the mistakes of somebody else. Try and, we try and hey, say, hey, look over there. This is the, yeah, but what about you know, what someone else said or did? Um, or this is the, hey, let's talk about both sides here response. It's an attempt to fight and, and evade the truth and to, and to locate ourselves in a tribe of people that overlooks our failures in order to join me in harping on somebody else's. That's deflection. The third obstacle to accepting responsibility is a sense of entitlement. And this is intimately connected to the realities of privilege. Privileged persons easily become entitled persons. Privilege is when there's a benefit, an advantage, or a right that is enjoyed by some, but not by all. It's a special enjoyment of something good, or it's an exemption, special exemption 
from something that's not good or, or exemption from a consequence or exemption from responsibility. Privilege is playing by a more favorable or self-serving set of rules than, than the rules that others are expected to abide by. So when, when, when we as human beings are nurtured and raised and reaffirmed by um, these voices that we trust as they talk about who we are, when we're nurtured into that place of unchallenged privilege, then we can easily develop a sense of entitlement, the understanding that we are inherently deserving of special treatment or privileges and a special exemption from consequences. So this can be any of us, child, parent, employee, supervisor, citizen, or leader, that thinks there are exceptions to the rules, you know, uniquely for us. As we considered two week, two episodes ago in reflecting on the Capitol riot and what it means to be a people of honesty, we admitted it's often so easy to allow our tribal impulses to blind and deafen us to the truth about those leaders and voices that we trust. And, and, it's, a, and it's a downward spiral because our loyalty to them, despite our, our unwillingness to um, expect consequences or responsibility from them furthers their own sense of entitlement, which continues to disrupt that which is good and just. And, uh, and that's what happens when we do that instead of calling for them to accept responsibility. If we fall to the temptation to avoid consequence and to avoid the acceptance of responsibility, what we do then is we are in effect changing the expectations. We're rewriting them. So now the expectation is that all individuals, or, or maybe maybe also then just as we are writing them, uh, ourselves or a particular privileged group of people, can act in ways that were previously defined as breaking of expectations. So now the next person that comes along feels empowered to do the same, empowered to break expectations and norms and laws in the same way, rather than feeling deterred. Once these um, obstacles of blame, deflection, and entitlement have been overcome, so that we are seeking to uh, deter the breaking of expectations and encourage uh, abiding by them, um, once these obstacles are overcome then, and there's this understanding of an acceptance of responsibility, it's only then that we can move on to the next step in the accountability cycle, which is reconciliation. Reconciliation is the repair of that which was broken. It's the restoration of the fractured commitments, the commitments to the expectations, fractured commitments to honesty, fractured commitments to being the best possible version of the self for the sake of the connected whole. There can be no reconciliation um, without there first being consequences and an acceptance of responsibility. So when our girls have something happen between them, which happens every five minutes, and I'm surprised I haven't heard them screaming at each other just in this time now, um, they want to believe that a simple sorry through the scowl of their gritted teeth is enough of a response, is enough of a consequence, is enough of an acceptance of responsibility in that moment. But they're learning, 
the more we talk them through this, that that is not, that is not enough. They're learning that it's only when they allow themselves to experience the consequence and the feelings that go with it, to learn from it, accept responsibility, name what they've done, and feel that empathy uh, commit them again to repairing that which was fractured in that moment over something stupid and making, making that desire to repair um, visible in their body language and in their tone and then in their action, it's only then that things are actually repaired. The things are actually made good again and they can sense that peace and that reconnection with their sisters. If there are no consequences and, and there's no acceptance of responsibility for destructive, selfish behaviors in a workplace, and instead there's only phony apologies, through gritted teeth, empty words, continued blame and deflection and entitlement, then there, there will not be reconciliation in that workplace. If there are no consequences and no acceptance of responsibility by leaders and citizens in our, and in our nation, and again, we can't help but consider the Capitol riots and all these lies and incendiary, incendiary and antagonistic rhetoric over the years that undeniably contributed to that violence, and instead, there's only phony apology, blame, deflection, whataboutism, both sidesism, and this continued tribal desire for entitlement that excuses some from consequences, then there will be no reconciliation. If there is no reconciliation, then there is no ability to move forward to the final step in the cycle, which is unity, a renewed sense of unity. So any calls for unity whether they're around the dinner table or in the conference room or the streets of our nation that are not first calls for consequences and the acceptance of responsibility are just irrational and selfish, whether they're individual or tribal cries. They will short circuit and they will break the cycle that maintains order, peace and justice in the midst of our shared commitment to freedom and our common goals, whether they're family goals, company goals, church goals, national goals. So when Desmond Tutu was helping to lead the new South Africa out from apartheid and into a new season of unity, and justice, and peace, his insistence on forgiveness was powerful. But his insistence on forgiveness was not a call to release all those who participated in the racism of apartheid from having to face any consequences, nor was it um, a call to release anyone from accepting responsibility for that participation. He said to the people there of that nation, there, there is no peace precisely because there has been no justice. As painful and inconvenient as justice may be, we have seen that the alternative, accountability to fall by the wayside, is worse. To negate consequences and responsibility is to let accountability fall by the wayside. Accountability, as hard as it may be, is our only way to unity as we abide by the steps of this cycle. This is true in our families, our workplaces, and our nations. We don't want to hurt our kids' feelings in this house by imposing the consequences of accountability, but we remember that if we don't, we set them up for even greater failures. And the same is true for our coworkers, our fellow citizens, and our leaders. 
The way of honesty and responsibility is the way forward. And forgiveness, as Tutu reminds us, forgiveness is not the same as entitling or condoning someone's breaking of the consequences. Forgiveness is part of the reconciliation step. Those who defied expectations, experience the consequences, accept responsibility, and then seek to make it right with you know, meaningful action and apology, and not just empty words through gritted teeth. But then those who were wronged must also participate in the reconciliation by forgiving. If there's only grudge, a continued disconnection from one another, a continued unwillingness to work together towards shared goals, and instead an antagonism of um, seeking to be against the other and to slow the other down, then reconciliation cannot take place. And if there is no reconciliation, there is no unity. So it's always important to remember that forgiveness does not mean condoning harm done. It doesn't mean that things go back to the way that they were, as if it never happened. There may be forever a necessary boundary and distance between some that was not there before. But what it does mean is that there's the ability to move forward again by working toward the same goals in unity despite the boundary, rather than simply working against one another, distracting and slowing down one another, and therefore slowing down and distracting ourselves as a whole from our common goals. So then, if there's a restored unity among the family, the company, the nation, among the nations, then hallelujah, that unity of purpose then demands a constant and new reevaluation and adaptation of expectations and systems to make sure that they are best suited to the realities of the present. And this is what starts the whole cycle over again. As we consider our systems and expectations from a place of unity rather than of segregation with an imbalance of power and competing aims, we come to it with unity and a shared and a common goal. As our girls mature, the expectations and the family rules will have to change in order to ensure their continued growth and well-being, as well as our sanity. And it's likely that these changes to the family rules will follow conflict, consequences, responsibility, and the hard work of reconciliation. New times demand new expectations and systems in order to maintain unity and fidelity to our goals. And we can't get stuck. Can't get stuck in that place of grudge where a lack of consequence, a lack of accountability, a lack of reconciliation and forgiveness keeps us from always renewing our vision and our goals, our expectations, and our future. If uh, company policies inadvertently or intentionally allowed for an abuse of the systems, allowing for tribalization into factions within the workforce, or the unjust centralization of authority and earnings among a privileged few, um, then after consequences and the acceptance of responsibility and reconciliation and a new commitment to a united workforce together, a new set of expectations and systems and policies must be enacted in order to reset the trajectory of that company toward the just pursuit of their common goals. If a nation's expectations, laws, tax tables, and other systems either inadvertently or intentionally allow for an abuse of the systems, allow for tribalization into factions, 
allow for the unjust centralization of power and authority and resources among a privileged few, then there must be consequences and acceptance of responsibility by those who broke expectations as well as an acceptance of responsibility by those who unfairly benefited from the systems. There must be reconciliation, forgiveness, a restored sense of unity, and then a, uh, a commitment not to the status quo or to going back to what it was before, but a commitment to the constant reevaluation and adaptation of our expectations, our laws, our norms, our tax tables, and our other systems so that they help our nation to regain its trajectory toward the just pursuit of our common goals of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness for all people and not just some. This won't happen by skipping steps. In the absence of consequences, responsibility, and real efforts to reconcile and repair the system short circuits. And in the absence of accountability, if it falls by the wayside, then the oppressors and the elites continue to rule and oppress. So in this series, we are seeking to learn how to live the spiritual life, you know, to live with a different guiding voice within us than these voices of our impulsive, irrational, selfish, physical defense mechanisms that, that tell us to, to just look out for us by fighting and assuming negatively and tribalizing. So I've argued in this series that the spirit within us could be the spirit of the golden rule, to do unto others as we would have them do to us. And, and I've shared that I find this voice the spiritual voice in the teachings of Jesus, although um, the golden rule is certainly not exclusive to him. He taught that blame, an eye for an eye, I do this to you because you did that to me first, leaves everyone blind and antagonistic. And that we break the cycle by setting down blame and doing what is right and good to others in love, even our enemies. He taught that deflection, Worrying about the speck in your eye rather than the log in my own is counterproductive and that I ought to focus on my own integrity and heart. He taught that a tree is known by its fruits and that so are we and that no one is divinely favored and entitled to special status and therefore special treatment, special exemption from needing to be responsible for their own actions. He taught that the, the pursuit of reconciliation with people where there's fracture is more important than our religious offerings. And so we are to set down grudges, pay back our debts, forgive our debtors, and forgive those who hurt us. We know people like Zacchaeus were compelled after meeting him to pay back his wrongdoings tenfold and to seek forgiveness in the repair of the relationships that he fractured. Jesus taught that unity is our highest aim, and his prayer for people was not moral obedience to a certain set of expectations, but that we would be one people. Do unto others as you'd like others to do unto you. Set expectations and define laws that nurture justice and the common good. Be honest. Accept consequences and learn from them. Accept responsibility. Do your part to reconcile and make things right. Forgive others. Seek unity rather than antagonism, negativity, or tribal warfare. These are all the things that we would want others to do for the sake of a good and peaceful life together. Being accountable is good, and it promises a better way forward than our fears falsely promise.
but it does demand us all. Happy to talk with anyone about this, so feel free to reach out. Stay home, stay safe, wear a mask, be well. Peace to all.